Well, worms and germs, welcome to another pus-filled episode of the Movie Man Podcast. The Movie Man Podcast. We are kicking off uh, our first annual Spooktober, uh, which is a title that I'm pretty sure is fair use because <laughs> everybody, everybody kind of does a Spooktober. If it's not fair use. Uh, then that's not what this is called, and we'll come up with a different name at some other point. And please don't right. sue us. But uh, please, please I'm, don't. I'm pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure we're okay to uh, say that. Um, we are nothing but honored uh, to be joined by uh, a guest today. But we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping right off off the bat. Uh, hit us with that, Pete. Perfect. So. Um, if you haven't done so already, please like, follow, subscribe uh, on all our various social media platforms. You'll see those below, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a like, give us a follow. Um, you can check out our Patreon page below if you feel like supporting the show. And uh, even if you don't, you can check out the Patreon page. Um, you can check out our merchandise page, which is also at the bottom. And if you're not at that level of support, just give us a like and a comment. We appreciate the feedback on our various social media platforms. And please rate and review positively. Yeah. And if you're not at that level of support, uh, maybe, you know, maybe self-evaluate. <laughs> do, do like a personality <laughs> test, um, you know. And then, and then reconsider. No, no, in all seriousness, uh, if you're a first-time listener, which happens uh, often when we have a guest on the show, then welcome. Um, this is mm-hmm. a little different than what we normally do, um, but we have a lot of fun on the show all the time anyways. Um, and so, yeah, check us out, and, and hopefully you will also find us remotely entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, one actually sorry one more piece of housekeeping i forgot is time flies i forget about all these things uh i want to give a shout out and thanks to all our patreon supporters and specifically this is the first episode of october so i'd like to give a loud and resounding shout out to daphne to marshall to nate and to brenna yeah good for you guys thank yeah. you you guys are amazing you, and uh, just some literally the reason i had sustenance today is because that's not true all the money goes back into the show i wish 100 percent. i wish we pocketed it (laughs) i don't that would be awful it would be bad but obviously some insider info uh the reason they got a shout out is because they are tier four supporters and uh that's part of uh, the uh, perks of being a tier four supporter is the monthly shout out and there it is absolutely Along with like free merchandise and mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, yeah. we'll come wash your car. Pete cleans gutters. Yep, extra. A, they get extra votes on our monthly votes. They it get is a, a lot VIP of VIP package mm-hmm. all around. Uh, so, anyways, uh, there's something you haven't said in a really long time. Oh, all right, do you think you can do it? Do you want to do it? Uh, I'm on the fence. I don't know if I want to. Okay. I'll say But it. maybe I should. No, if you're going to say it, then I can't say it, because it's your thing. Say it. It, I, say it. Say it. Okay. Say it. We're not alone in the universe. Damn friggin' straight. We are here today with Jordan, uh, our our horror god. Not the god, but a god. Uh, mm. When it comes to horror. Jordan, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, hello. Hello. Gentlemen. It's been a long Welcome. time. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about has, this for a bit. 
Yeah, I've been uh, preparing for this, it feels like, for a few months now, so that's good. We're that midterm exam you've been preparing for. Jordan, I've been preparing for this my whole damn life. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Sorry, guys, I just muted myself. No, hey, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I'd crack under the pressure too. It's all that's, good. That's you know, a couple minutes in, he's like, "Screw this!" And, and <laughs> I just dropped the call. Yeah, he's like, uh, second thoughts." Actually, you know well, what? It's probably because I'm not a a patron. Is that what you call him? A Patreonian? Pa yeah, a, a, a Patreonian. Well, yeah, mm. I feel bad. I feel bad now. Yeah, so. yeah. I thought you had like a Patty and Salma moment where you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, MacGyver," and you were just like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, I got Jess. Yeah, Jess is tied up, and I'm just yeah. I, she's got to go escape, so I got to go now. Exactly. I got to leave. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about horror. Um, is it fair to say that you enjoy the genre? Um, yeah, that's probably an understatement, but yes, yes, that's <laughs> fair. You uh, you actually write for. Uh, a horror horrorfacts.com mm -hmm. yes uh yeah i just started so when all this uh covid19 stuff started happening uh, i was uh, we got laid off work for two months in mid-march so they gave me obviously just like everyone else here right we got a bunch of time to kind of focus on you know, what we want to do and our passions and have, you know, giving ourselves little projects and stuff. So um, I've always written, you know, my whole life. But, um, you know, I've tried writing for like sports. Like I, I'm a big Bruins fan and I write a lot of lyrics and songs and short stories. But, you know, I, I listen to a lot of movie podcasts and things like that. So I want to get out there and just write and review and critique and do those kinds of things. So, sure. um, yeah, so I just kind of posted something and, um, you know, they reached out to me and gave me a chance. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Very uh, cool. So how, how should we start this? My thought is, uh, my thought would be to kick things off by briefly talking about all of our, um, uh, experience with the horror film genre. I feel like it'll be far briefer uh, for Pete and myself, um, mm. which would just kind of give you some some backstory into our limited knowledge. Um, and then we just kind of hand things over to you and let you take us to school. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds naughty. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's most definitely not. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's not, you know. Well, these let's, I let's mean, not close any doors. Pretty naughty as well. Too. Yeah. we're in. We're re we're reaching naughty territory. I'd say when it comes to film genres. Right. Oh, exactly. Mm. The ho horror is like the genre where you know they finish the script, they look at it and go, ah, but nobody gets naked. Should we? Should someone be naked? <laughs> Uh, yep. I mean, yes, there should be. So she, that's yep. They got to rewrite the whole script. She runs away from the guy with the knife. She could probably run less encumbered if she didn't have any clothes on. And so then they do a rewrite. 
<laughs> I feel like I feel like that applies for both the horror genre and any James Bond film. Like there's people sitting in a boardroom and they're like, there's not enough, you know, nudity. Let's let's work that in. And literally anything that Netflix produces. It's like right. th- there's one guy who works at Netflix and his job is to figure out, okay, at what point do we put gratuitous nudity in <laughs> well, this uh, kid show? I had just heard or read, I, I don't know where actually I, I saw this, but I saw that um, America and Britain, um, they showcase the most boobs in their films huh. so i wonder yeah so i wonder why that is but uh that's pretty funny because yeah. those two areas are obviously the forerunners of probably you know the horror genre and sure obviously 007 is a british mm-hmm. making so that's interesting yeah uh, so, Pete, you probably have the, uh, my guess, and this could be, like, I'm making an assumption here. My mm. guess is that you have the least uh, dabbling in the horror genre. So why don't you go first? For sure. I feel like that's a pretty safe assumption. Um, I, I I didn't know really how to prepare for this question, so I started making a list of all the films, and some purists might agree that some are horror, some are not. But are, the list are, was actually... Are, are two I two things is that a list does that quantify as a list two <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's actually about 19 oh wow I, I, you know again some purists might not consider some but my point is i was surprised with how long the list was i didn't think it would get this long sure. I, had, I only spent about five or ten minutes so um oh that's a i guess time. my history with the genre I would say the be- it's best described as a love-hate combo. Um, on occasion, I I, I quite do f- feel drawn to it. There are if the setting is right, if the mood is right, I do feel like watching a good horror, scary film. Um, but for the most part, I would say I don't. Um, and maybe if there's a social aspect that kind of draws me to it, if someone says, hey, Pete, let's watch this film, I might be like, I have no interest in it, but I'm going to do it as a social aspect. Um, as far as my history, yeah, limited exposure in childhood, so I didn't grow up with any films of like of a classic horror nature. I, I saw a few as a kid, more of the cornball variety. I'd probably say my most memorable kind of graduation that I say like was the turning point of like, okay, I started watching some okay horror films was when I was like a teenager. I watched The Grudge and I rented it. I watched it at home alone in the dark. And I just remember like the complete and utter paranoia, just looking over my shoulder every couple seconds. And it was, it was simultaneously entertaining and um, terrifying. Um, as far as what scares me, I, I feel like if there's kind of a Venn diagram, there's some things that I would say the supernatural scares me a lot more. Um, and then if you move over on that diagram, the closer you get to like human versus human conflict and interaction, that doesn't scare me as much. I mean, sure. If someone has a chainsaw is run and is running at me, I'd be scared as heck if that happened in real life, but there's just kind of a, uh, it, there's a misconnect between what's happening in the film and me not being scared and I just don't find it believable and uh, ultimately I'll wrap it up I think what the reasons of some things scare me and some things don't I think like with anything um, 
what scares me is just a direct product of my own worldview and what you and um, someone else might consider scary is a product of their worldview and what we're comfortable with and what we're familiar with and what we find scary, believable, and um, just terrifying. So in a nutshell, that that's my experience with horror. Cool. What's, what's, uh, like what film is, has scared the shit out of you the most? Who? Um, would you say it's the grudge? That was that, that experience was, you know, yeah, I'd say that's up. I'd say that's up there. Um, at the time, maybe, uh, the fourth kind. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. I, I'm not going to burst any bubbles, but there was an aspect of me watching that film and, I wasn't sure if it was actually based on some real city right. in Alaska. Sure. So there was a component that I wasn't sure if it was real it's or not. It's done convincingly. It's, it's a, yes. yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. So thanks yeah. for bringing that one up. Oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a creepy um, little flick there. It is. I'd say more recently, uh, scary on different levels. I'd say the three most that have held up, I'd say Us and Get Out by Jordan Peele. And I'd say The Witch. The Witch. So, can okay. I just yeah. ask you what film do you prefer watching i know they're totally different yeah uh, do you get out or us what like which one do you think hmm. is a better because okay i guess is a better horror film hmm. i would say us would be probably the better horror film right yeah i think you're probably right i i don't know which i'd say is the better horror film but i'd say which one i preferred more was probably get out right Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I could see that. It's like a Twilight yeah. Zone episode. My my feelings right. my feelings on that are mixed. I think uh I think us had me more stressed out with mm-hmm. with suspense. <laughs> yes, like uh, me too. But I also right. we reviewed the film Us and my appraisal of it was I don't know if there's a more I don't know if there's a film more riddled with plot holes. Uh, <laughs> than us, like it's right. just so many things that it's like yep. okay, but what about like, but why and what well, about that's this it. and you know, yeah, like so, get out. Mm. You can kind of peel back the layers, and it all kind of still makes right. sense a little bit. But you start peeling back us, and it kind of falls apart. Sure, yeah, yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Sorry for derailing you there. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add, Pete? No, no, that's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, so for me, horror has, uh, again, was not a genre that I was, um, you know, I didn't grow up watching horror films the way I grew up watching uh, comedy or, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Horror was was always, there's a there's a few select memories that I have growing up, and again, it also all depends. I think what you, um, what you classify as horror, um, you know. So, like for instance, I grew up uh, with the Tremors movies, at least the first, for sure, the first Tremors movie. Uh, I grew up with Tremors being a, a part of my childhood. Uh, but I, but as a kid, I never, I never identified Tremors as a horror film, but I guess technically it is. Um, you know, I just, I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't see it that way. Tremors to me was more of a, an action flick, right? More of like a, a, 
I don't know, a fantasy action flick. Um, I'm tr- yeah, I'm trying to think. As a kid, there'd be just the odd time. I think if my dad was like out of town on a business trip and it was just me and my mom home alone, she would like show me a scary movie when I was probably too young to be watching them. Like I think whatever year Boogeyman nice. came out, we watched Boogeyman. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen it since, so I don't know if it holds up. Uh, but I remember like, you know, as a, a nine-year-old, Boogeyman's friggin' terrifying. Um, but I did grow up very much into like the Halloween scene, right? Like one of my favorite films of all times, uh, of all time is and has always been Edward Scissorhands. Um, I love, I grew up with Beetlejuice. I grew up with, right? So like stuff on the darker Halloween-esque side, um, that's my roots. Um, So horror seems like a natural extension of that, uh, but it just wasn't, you know, it it wasn't a big part. It wasn't a big part of my my life growing up. Um, The horror film that, that did me it, and I think this one's really interesting because it was the first horror film uh, that I ever saw in the theater, um, which probably contributed to it. Because, uh, yeah, everything else that I'd watched up until that point, uh, like I said, grew up with Tremors, uh, grew up with Poltergeist, like the original Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist is is a phenomenal classic. Um, but <laughs> we went, uh, I went with my cousin to see Paranormal Activity, the first Paranormal Activity. Uh, and at this, at this point in time, uh, the only other real entry, um, to my knowledge, and I wasn't aware of this other film at the time, I don't think, uh, from the found footage category, which is now grossly overdone, um, was the Blair Witch Project. Mm, But Blair Witch Project was, was several years old at this point. 99. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't aware of it. Um, and paranormal activity, uh, did a couple of things I think really, really right. One is they, they don't have any credits, right? Like the film, if you sit Mm. down and you watch the film, there is nothing about the film that, uh, that indicates this is a work of fiction. Right, the fact that they're selling to you, this is a documentary that we've put together using actual footage from the the L.A. Police Department. Uh, they do everything that they need to from a post production standpoint to sell that to you. The other thing that they do really well is they use two actors that nobody had ever heard of, uh, and no CGI or no. No noticeable CGI, right? Like they'll 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 remove, you know, ropes and pulleys and and whatever they need to. But it was all very grounded. Everything that was happening was very grounded. Um, so when Katie gets pulled out of the bed and down the hallway, it's just a very simple effect. And so we left the theater at the time, right? I wasn't aware of the found footage genre. I didn't know that was a thing. And so I watched this movie uh, and the word going around, what the movie wanted you, part of the marketing was, this is real. 
Uh, and so we left the theater, and the movie ends uh, with Katie getting possessed. Um, and then it comes up on the screen. It was like, you know, uh, thanks to the sheriff department, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Mika's body was found on such and such a date. Katie's whereabouts remain unknown. <laughs> and we left the theater terrified. Me oh. and everyone I was with, we had a 45-minute drive home from the theater. It was completely silent. Nobody said anything. We just got in the car. We were quiet. Someone tried to talk at one point. The other people told them to, like, just shut up. Stop talking. Don't talk about the movie. <laughs> and we drove home, and, and, and I got home at, like, midnight, and I sat up in my room with the lights on for, like, another three hours because I was petrified. <laughs> oh. And it wasn't until, like, the next afternoon that I was, like, reading online and discovered, right. oh, it's bullshit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and now <laughs> it's it. yep. and now it's so overdone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. B- but it's one of those things that... Um, the circumstances were just right. It was a new genre, mostly. Yep. Uh, and so the first paranormal activity was able to uh, was able to scare me in a way that the found footage genre will never be able to do again. Um, but because I was sold, I thought this is this is real. This is yep. ho- like holy shit! Like I, everything I just saw actually happened. Um, and because of the limited use of CGI, if you hold, you know, again, if you hold a worldview that allows for this type of stuff to come to, to happen, then everything you saw is a hundred percent believable. Right. Right. It's not like zombies rising up out of the ground and, and you know, like this overuse of CGI. It's not like poltergeist where you see a girl getting sucked into the TV and you go, ah. <laughs> I mean, could yeah. happen, I guess, but really, whereas this was like, no, man, the girl, like, the chair gets thrown across the room, the girl gets dragged down the hall, they put baby mm-hmm. powder out in the hallway, and, like, footprints appear. Well, because, uh, yeah, it was so subtle. Like, it was almost a oh, little yeah. too subtle, you know, and that was the mm. creepy part. Yeah. It was like they were just doing minuscule, little minute m- movements and things like it wasn't this big, spectacular and what's, thing. And so what's was... genius about that is it, because they used the same angle every time, right? It was like the, the bedroom tripod camera. Uh, and, and because what was happening was so subtle, it made you like lean in. It mm-hmm. made you really look. Uh, so that way when something did happen, you were already... You know, you were already leaning forward in your theater seat to to try to figure out what was moving on the screen. Right. Uh, and so then if there was like a bang or a jump scare, it it genuinely got you, terrified yep. the hell out of you. So that's yeah, that's def- mostly my that's mostly my experience with with horror. I mean, I've seen many horror films. Um, my girlfriend and I recently worked w- within the last year worked through the Saw films, um, hmm. which. Excessive gore doesn't do it for me, uh, but I think the Saw films are geniusly written. I love that, you know, you'll be sitting down to watch the next Saw film, and it's not until the last 20 minutes of the film that you're 100% sure where in the timeline it falls. Right. Right? You're like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, it's a prequel. And right. yes. and and everything's connected. And, you know, uh, so I've seen that. I've seen all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I've seen the Halloween remake, the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. Okay. Um, I just recently 
uh, rewatched the first Unfriended film. Um, I don't know if I've seen that. And then watched there, the second Unfriended, which is interesting, and we'll talk about I, it at some point because it's. I didn't even know that there were one? two. Yeah, so the sequel is the Dark Web one, right. um, which oh. is actually better than the first. Um, oh. And uh, but I, but I think is really interesting because it's a fun twist on. Uh, I think it's a, a fresh breath of air for the the found footage genre. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, I agree. I, did you watch that searching movie with no. uh, John Cho? Is that his name from Harold and Kumar? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is it a found footage one? It's one of those like on the internet. Oh, uh, like a yeah, like a, uh, a, a screen capture. His, yeah, his daughter goes missing, so he's oh. yeah, he's kind of searching her computer and doing all this searching around trying to find her, right? So right. And it's with the it's it's hmm. John Cho. I can't remember who else. It I it's been a while, but it was it was good. Yeah, it was good. Pretty good. Um, hmm. I like uh, I like As Above, So Below, which is a, a a found footage film that takes place entirely in the Paris catacombs. Um, yeah, was, oh yes, which is that a, is that actually fun. an interesting film. Which is a great yeah. setting for it you is. Know, it's just a yes. perfect setting. Um, yeah. The Insidious films, which. Uh, I've seen the first three. I liked the first one. I loved the second one. I thought the second one made yeah. the first one better. Uh, mm. The yeah. third one was like a prequel, and I didn't. I was didn't in until anymore. Darth Maul in the first one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's everyone's critique, I yeah. think, about that one. But uh, Tiny Tim with Tiptoe Through the Tulips, yes. man, I keep coming yeah. back to it. I keep coming yep. back just, to it. Yep. Just of note baby. with this. Yeah. yeah, just of of note for um, as above, so below. Two things: I almost was interested in going on a tour of the catacombs in Paris, but one, just the film conceptually kind of freaked me out. But also, like the four foot ceilings kind of were a bummer for me. But um, the guy. film definitely, definitely yeah. threw me off. Uh, yeah, so stuff like that. And then I just this last weekend watched um, The Conjuring. Uh, hmm. And I followed it up by watching the next film in the universe that was released, which is a prequel, Annabelle. Uh, the Conjuring gets like 9 out of 10 for me. It was so good. Yeah. Um, Annabelle was like a, a 4 out of it, and I wasn't interested. <laughs> I Are you going to watch the like the universe yeah, yeah, man. We're going as through it, it unfolds, though, yeah. like in a linear story? Or uh, gonna- no. So the plan – so I went online. Right. And I was searching. I'm like, okay, Conjuring Universe. Do I watch it in chronological order or do I watch it in production order? And everyone said you can do both, but a lot of people were recommending production order. So I'm, I'm going in production order. Um, so they say, you know, even though the timeline's going to jump around a bunch, they say it's still, you know, it still makes sense. You can still track with it relatively well. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. I've seen all the, the Child's Play Chucky films, um, the, the horror ones and the non-horror ones. Um, yeah, just, you know, a lot of... I like to do... I'm a completist. So if what? I've seen... No, really? <laughs> so if, I, if I've seen one James Bond film, I've seen them all. No. Uh, if, oh, if, you guys are only, what, like just over halfway through those, no? Uh, we're, 18? yeah, like 18, 17, 18, yeah. 27. We're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, if I've seen one film from a franchise, um, I'm going to watch all of them. 
right? Um, no matter how bad they get. <laughs> yeah, you No matter how bad they that. get. Uh, which is why I've seen all of the Leprechaun films, not just the first mm, first two. The second oh, one's okay. You put yourself through torture. Uh, the first one, the first one's got like a young, very attractive Jennifer Aniston in it. Right. And yes. I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. It Warwick Davis is never a bad thing. Oh, uh, he's great. Yeah. But I think once we reached Leprechaun back into hood, I was like, <laughs> uh, or like, actually, you know what? Leprechaun in space was awesome. So I'll was, give it that. It was that was a gratuitous nudity film, <laughs> if I've ever seen one. Everyone get ni- everyone gets naked in space. I don't, you know. It's uh, speaking of, of that, I actually just watched probably a couple weeks ago. I just watched uh, Leprechaun Origins. Is that the new one? No, I don't. Th- that doesn't have because there's a newer one that doesn't have Warwick Davis in it. Yeah, so I think there's two newer ones. I think there's that one, and then Leprechaun Returns. Here, oh, okay. hold on. Anyway, Leprechaun Origins doesn't have like uh, what you know as the Leprechaun. Like he's some creature, like right. weird creature in this one, and it it's not good, guys. Right. Like it's. <laughs> but, I feel bad saying that, but it is not. It's not good. That's it. So I was thinking I hadn't seen many horror films, but as I'm listing them, you know, I guess I guess I've seen my share, right? I've seen I've seen the two new. Uh, Stephen King it films right I haven't right. I haven't seen the Tim Curry one I'm I, oh. I gotta do it I gotta sit yes. down and do it um but I've seen the new ones um yep. loved the first one I loved it yep. the second one could have yep. been could have been good if they had actually spent more than five minutes on any of the visual effects the CGI in that film is so bad that it it just pulls me out of it which is a I shame because the first one was so good. Yeah. I mean, there were parts in the first one where I was like, okay, this is a little gratuitous. Yeah. But it was great. Like, it was a great story. You know, the like, I loved those kids. Oh, yeah. Like, for it, sure. It's just, it's such a wonderful coming of age yes. story. And I think I told, I think I said this to you, Pete, before, because I'd seen it mm. long before you had. And oh, I said, yeah. even if you're not into horror, it's, it's there's so much great character development. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and you just yep. love these kids. Yeah. Oh inc- yeah. Especially Eddie. I think the kid that plays Eddie is just mm-hmm. a phenomenal young actor. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 you know. If you're not if you're not the biggest horror film fan, you forget that it's a horror film. Yeah. Until you really do. You know. And and the great thing, I the the great thing about uh the first it movie is that pennywise isn't even the scariest thing in that film the scariest thing in that no. film is the redheaded bully that like carves his you know carves lard ass or whatever into <clears throat> the stomach of mm-hmm. of fat eighth graders like right. mm-hmm. that kid is terrifying but i digress <laughs> uh, so I think that's that's pretty much it. That's my piece. That's my piece on on what I know and what I don't know. And as you mentioned films, Jordan, I'll probably, you know, there'll be the odd one. I'll chime in and go, oh, yeah, I've seen that totally. Well, yeah, definitely. Like, do you guys got like a pen and paper ready? I would say definitely jot some down. All right. I, yeah, <laughs> open up a Google yeah, Doc. I would. I would because I think. 
maybe not some of the really intense ones, but I'm I'm thinking the ones that kind of started the genre off. Sure. Especially in the universal territory, I think those are just cinematic masterpieces that you know, if you know, all cinephiles and film lovers and things I think should at least see them once. Oh, and I've know. seen Cats. Cats scared me. That is I'm still <laughs> What the in new therapy. one? Too? Yeah. Yeah, that uh yeah, with Rebel Wilson and Oh, I haven't seen that one. And, no, uh, keep it that way, dude. Keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah, those well, I mean the tra- like the C- the CGI in that one scared me. Just <laughs> the, look at the, the trailer. Taylor Swift's jiggling feline breasts for whatever creative yeah, weird. decision that was yeah and you know mm-hmm. that there are people out there that were you know loving that film that's yeah so talk to us about horror jordan all right all right well okay so where where do you th- like do you want me to just start off kind of saying what i what what it what it is to me yeah absolutely you think yeah. that would be a good place to start sure all right well Okay, so I guess I'll start off with, okay, so I've been into horror as a young gaffer just my whole life from the time I was born. No, from the time I really could remember, honestly, like I I, had, I used to read the Fangoria magazines, right? Sure. Those old ones, used to find them in old thrift stores or whatever. Right, right. And, and just, I don't, I didn't know what a whole like a horror film was essentially. I just kind of looked at the cool makeup effects and the weird creatures and whatever. And I was like, yeah, those are cool. Like, you know, so that was pretty much what it was to me until I saw my first horror film, which I don't, I can't even remember. I want to say was probably a nightmare on Elm street, honestly, because I remember having, my neighbor like because i have two older brothers right so i guess i'll preface that by saying i have two older brothers who are six and seven eight years older than me right oh wow so so as i'm you know (laughs) i'm five they're 11 right so they got me kind of looking at these things probably younger than i should have been so i remember kind of sitting in the basement with my brothers and the neighbors. Um, they were friends. And then me and the next door, the the daughter was my age. Her name was Paige. So I remember sitting downstairs in the basement with all of them watching. I believe it was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I, me and her, had our faces shuddered into each other terrified just (laughs) just shivering and shaking and trembling and and there's my brothers you know and the of the neighbor just eh, nonchalantly just watching the film not caring probably you know probably not the best but i i remember after that though being so scared that the next day i i honestly i just want more like I just wanted to get every horror movie and do the exact same thing to myself over and over again. I just thought it was like, I don't know, the adrenaline, something happened in me where I was just so electrified by watching these films, like honestly. Well, and I think and there's something so, like I've said this to Pete before, uh, for me it's it's that, it's, it's similar to a roller coaster, 
right? So when you ride a roller coaster, there's that feeling of uh, like internally the 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 motions that you're feeling physically uh, are motions that it would normally be associated with. You're about to die, right? You're you're fall you're free falling. You're doing all of these things. It's it's fast. It's upside down. So it's it's there's a safe element of danger. You feel your body's going. You're in danger. You're in danger, but you're really not. Uh, yep. And that's what makes a roller coaster so much fun and gives you that sort of adrenaline. Is your body's going shit, shit, shit. You're gonna die, uh, but you're really not. And so for me, horror is the same way, right? Horror is fear. True, actual fear uh, is something that we don't. It, it it's probably one of the emotions that we feel least often. Right, you'll feel sad, you'll feel happy, you'll feel embarrassed, uh, but true actual fear uh, is not something we we usually experience very often. So to me, there's Physi- something physical physical fear for like our own well being. Sure, for yeah, 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 right. And so there's something to me so gratifying about you know being able to expose myself to that in a controlled, safe setting. Right. right. And I think fear is like a, it's a motivator of sorts. Like it really when you're, um, um, you know, when you experience true fear of anything, it could be anything, fear of your life, fear of, you know, if you have children, fear for their lives. I think sure. it's a true. Yeah, it's a true motivator to really um, uh, kind of uh, maybe take it on, you know, head on, take it, experience it, um, directly and try to, um, normalize it a little bit. And I think that's maybe I was normalizing these things cause I had seen them in these magazines so often Sure, that I was kind of the things that were scaring me. Cause I remember being a scared child. Um, I, I remember the nightmares I would have would be of me like being abducted from my home like not by aliens like by a a burglar coming in and stealing me from my bed or something like that it was just these irrational fears i had as a child and i feel like when i watched these films i was able to like externalize them and extinguish them and and feel like the hero or the final girl right and feel like i could you know i could take it on and yeah, I wanted to be the man. I wanted to be powerful and strong. So I think I wanted to watch these films and, yeah, just take it on. So being so immersed in it now, uh, does it ever happen? When When is the last time it happened? And can it still happen? Do you watch films? Do you watch a, a horror film, a new horror film ever anymore uh, and get scared? Or are you so desensitized to it uh, that that element's gone? I don't get like, um, oh, I can't sleep and I'm having nightmares scared. Right. But I get, um, I do get, I do get creeped out and I do get, um, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll turn the lights on. Like before I go to bed, I'll check everything and turn the lights on. I do kind of weird, weird things like that, but I don't like, it never keeps me up at night or anything like that. But yeah. Every once in a while, one will do, rattle me a little bit. Do the hairs on the back of your neck ever still stand up? Uh, it's got to be chilling. Like, it's got to be... Okay. 
And I find more like the older movies that I watch, like I go back in time and watch some of the old. Those ones tend to be able to do it, I think, more than some of the newer ones. Honestly, hmm. they just have that. There's more of a psychological. I think the psychological side of things is what really creeps me out. And it's not the gore and the the things that I know is fake. Right. Right. Mm. And yeah. so it's the and I think uh, the older horror movies dealt more with with the psychological thing aspects because they they didn't have the budgets or the the special effects or anything like that. So The Exorcist gets me every time. Yeah, I think so too. Just me because too. what they're going through is so horrific sure. and so relentless and yep. and you know, yeah. And what's what's the most terrifying aspect of The Shining? For me, it's not the gore or the horrific oh, scenes, it's, it's the psychological Jack. aspect, yeah, it's right? Yeah, ja- it's it's the family's protector losing his mind and trying to kill mm-hmm. his family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's supposed to be protecting them, but he's unable to do that. And that's mm-hmm. ter- terrifying. Yeah. Cool. Um, hmm. all right. So I guess that's, that's, you know, that's kind of what horror is to me. Like, it's a way to externalize my fears. You know, it's a way to just look at things in a different way as like, I, I, I don't, I'm a happy guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't, you know, but I, I don't always think everything's honky dory. And I think when I watch these movies, it kind of makes me me feel a little bit better in my real life like oh my gosh like in some of these horrible you know these horrible especially psychological ones like things that really do reflect real life in some of these horror movies like things could actually be a lot worse and Mm. you know and it kind of instead of watching a comedy sometimes we're like why are these people so happy they're so like happy and that's not realistic a lot of the time like people aren't this happy all the time people are constantly making jokes and and it kind of is like why it kind of makes me feel a little bit like hmm, why am i not laughing all the time or making jokes all the time and but i think that's okay like i think there's a happy medium where yeah it's, that Does that leads, make sense? Yeah, and that, I mean, that leads me, I think this is kind of a, a, a good segue into something that I was thinking about this morning. Um, what, I, I feel like what pulls me out of a horror film, what makes me roll my eyes and then lose, uh, lose the ability to really become scared outside of a jump scare, right? Because, I, I mean, they're scared and then there's startled. Right, mm. lots of films yep. startle me, um, yep. but to be scared, and I think what pulls me out of it is when I stop believing it, um, and it happens for me uh, quite often. Right, so so quite often, both directors and actors will start their career out doing horror films. Uh, and we'll get into that. There's, there's a whole thing to that. There's directors I want to talk about that uh, Jordan probably knows started out in horror, but maybe Pete doesn't. Um, and uh, but so, so often you end up with actors who are pretty fresh, pretty pretty uh, new in the acting world. Um, and so sometimes you end up with with somewhat janky performances, um, and and that really pulls me out of it. That and writing where. Uh, cause you were talking about like with comedy, 
um, when you go, well, but people don't always, people aren't like this. People don't act like this. And I find that a lot of the time in horror films, though, where, uh, you know, it's like, okay, but at this point, he would have run, like, why are they still in the house? What, there's, there's, everyone here should be scared out of their mind. Why is he opening the closet? Like, just, just don't check the, leave the house and call the cops. Like, what are you doing at this point? And t- to me, the biggest, I went to the theater. Uh, this wasn't even by choice. I went, there was a girl who wanted to go see it. I went and saw the remake. I think it's the newest remake, but it'll be 10 years old at this point of uh, Prom Night. And it's a bad film. It's not a good movie. Uh, but there's so many, like, it, it's, there's so many, why, if, if, if what you're expecting to find when you open the closet is the guy with the knife who you know wants to kill you, why are you opening the closet? And so I think, I think true, I think good writing in horror is almost harder than good writing in other genres because you have to properly convey how people would realistically act mm-hmm. in a, in this horrifying situation, but without the movie only being five minutes long, right? Because often the way they would actually react is just a piece out, uh, you know, and so you have to come up with some sort of plot device that keeps them invested in, right? So in Poltergeist, well, Caroline's in the, in like, we got to get our daughter back. Right. Or same thing with Insidious. Right. Like we have a just we can't just give up and run away, Um, you know, or often they'll do in in Blair Witch. They're stuck in the middle of the woods. They can't leave. Right. And I think a genius one, one that they use over and over and over. But I've never grown tired of it is where it's like, well, it's not the house that's haunted. It's you that's haunted. So if you leave, it's just going to follow you. So we need to deal with it. Um, Right. And that, to me, is really scary, right? Because if it's just a shitty house, then get the hell out of Amityville and don't come back. Uh, whereas if you're haunted, then you're you're screwed, right? Like, well, I think, yeah, I think that's why Slashers, too, went the way of the dodo bird. Right. Pretty, for the most part, because that was, it was just mindless killing. It was just a masked villain with some sort of weapon just killing Right, teenagers Friday, having sex. Friday the thirteenth. Stop sending kids to this camp. Right. How is this camp like? Who is insuring this camp at this point? What is the insurance company every summer that signs back on and goes, "Yes, we will insure you." But no, I don't know. To me, it's just interesting, and as I think, when a horror film doesn't scare me, it's because uh, because you know they're doing things that I don't think you would the person would actually do in real life and they're just yeah. doing them to set up a scare they're doing it to further the plot right and it's like yeah and though it's almost that's almost like an action flick where a lot of the time they're like setting up just for the next set piece they're not there's not much story going on it's just sequences leading yeah. up to the next kill and yeah pretty exactly much they're setting everything up for that big that big kill but like i think why I get drawn even though, because I do agree. Yes. The major, especially in the eighties with the high, the, the heyday for uh slasher flicks and the, the splatter films and whatever they, uh, 
they didn't have great acting, especially they didn't have big name actors because they had no money. So they couldn't pay for much, really. They couldn't pay actors. They couldn't pay for lavish sets. And they'd have to do a lot of guerrilla filmmaking where they would just kind of shoot places they weren't supposed to shoot and get, you know, get kicked out and, and whatever. So I think what pulls me in other than the acting is all of the other hurdles that horror does have to um, um, jump over. Um, I think also with the, the special effects and the practical effects and makeup, it was it's it's easier to kind of stay uh, involved and interested in the film, sure. even when the story pulls you out. Whereas in a comedy, if the story pulls you out, that's it. There's not really, you know, the jokes aren't landing and the story's pulling you out. Well, there's nothing really else there keeping you there, right? Whereas right. in a horror film, I think there are other aspects whereas especially the horror genre, like the fans are very different because I could watch a horror movie and say, here's my rating for the horror movie. As a film, it's a two. (laughs) But as a a horror film, it's a 10. Like, right. Does it, does it pull you out, like talking about low budgets and and stuff, does it pull you out now when, uh, when there's a a recognizable cast member when when you know when you you sit down to watch the new horror film and oh yeah of course there's you know patrick wilson's in this one um <laughs> or you know or paris hilton shows up in house of wax or which i the, love the, that the, because she dies everyone got excited because <laughs> paris hilton gets impaled in house that's of wax. a better movie than i think that it gets credit for but yeah it's, that was a good scene it's because alicia cuthbert's in that one too isn't she I think Alicia Cuthbert is, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I remember house of wax freaking me out. Uh, hmm. but yeah, it, does it, you know, do you think yeah, you're right? You are a, right though. Do, do you Alicia think, Cuthbert is, in yeah. There, sorry. Do you think on the whole, uh, horror film should stick to casting people? Do you think it's scarier if we don't know who they are? Uh, versus, you know, uh, I don't know. That's a hard one, I guess. No, because like I'm all, I'm the guy who's like, hey, like my genre, like everybody like horror because it's great. So that's good for me because I want horror to be on, you know, on the in the limelight. I want it to be in the forefront because I think it is underappreciated. So I, I, I do, I do like especially when Jordan Peele and. And some of these big guys are getting in, like Chris Rock is doing the new Saw movie, right? Yeah. Well, so seriously? Is, yeah, yeah, which is called um, Spiral. Wow. Spiral, yeah. And the trailer <laughs> looks really good. And it looks it looks like Seven. Yeah. You know, it looks like a crime, like a gritty crime yeah. movie. But it's it'll be like cool. with the horror aspect. And I like, like, I think that's great. I love that. So, do you think yeah. Tob- I, do you think Tobin Bell will show up? Uh, uh, I I I hope so. I hope he's so. getting old though. No, yeah, I don't know how but old he is. That voice, man. Yeah, like, oh, you, he's you know, amazing. He's just, he's the best part of the of the whole franchise. Yeah, it's it's he is Jigsaw. Like he's yep. got you know yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, I I get your point, right? People like you and McGregor lend credibility to the genre right. when he shows up in something yes. like Doctor Sleep. Yeah, and I yeah, and it, it gets it turns people's heads right it's like, oh well it's a horror movie but ewan mcgregor's in it so i think i'm gonna go check it out sure sure yeah, i think that's great 
Cool. Yeah. Back to you, sir. All right. Well, all right. I guess the best place to really start is from the start, obviously. So when a mommy and a daddy yeah, make a horror movie. Love each other it's very called, much. Uh, it's called Mom and Dad with uh, Nicolas Cage. No. <laughs> That's actually a movie. Every, every, everything with Nicolas Cage is a horror film, isn't it, Pete? Oh, is that right. Quite honestly. Except yeah, for wait. Raising Arizona. And Can I settle this National quick? Treasure. Yeah. Oh, and National Treasure. Yeah. Who You don't like Nicolas Cage? Pete doesn't. No. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I don't like Nicolas Cage, but I'm saying he's in a lot of trash. You think he's well, got a one to a hundred ratio on. of good to shit films. Let me just yes. w- one sec yes. here while you guys go. So you say he's in a lot of trash. Correct. I'm just going to take a quick look at how many acting credits he has. Because I'm pretty sure he has 107 acting credits <laughs> so if he has some trash in there i think that that's okay right agreed even i'm, even I'm not spielberg's I, made some shit i didn't say whether it was okay or not i'm just saying i think he's in some trash have you gone back and rewatched gone have you have you watched gone in 60 seconds yet pete no watch it so good it's a good movie Memphis Reigns. All mm-hmm. here. Here's the thing. I'll watch Gone in sixty seconds if you watch Face Off. <laughs> that movie's so bad. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's bad, man. All right. I'll give you that. I'll do it. It's hilarious though, like just to watch, right? Like, John it's, Travolta. It's so bad, baby. it's good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Now that's that, because I love them. And speaking of horror movies, check out Mandy. Write that one down. You want to see a horror movie with Nicolas Mandy. Cage? Right. Yeah, watch Mandy. So, actually, Jordan, you might be proud. I, I have not seen it, so you're not going to be that proud. But I ha- it has come up in conversation with a group, and in my film-watching group, it was my suggestion. It didn't win, but I suggested we watch it. Yeah, it's, uh, it is so far out there, man. Yeah. It is, I find it really fascinating. what I heard that you have a movie watching group and I'm not a part of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this you know. is your movie watching group. Yeah. The hell. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Now's when the montage kicks in and it's just clips of us talking about horror and then we're done. Right. And then like we're done. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. All of a sudden yep. it's like oh, Vincent Price, Claude Rains, 2010. <laughs> and then, and then we're done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> okay, well, see you guys. No. All right. So, I guess okay. It I guess what I've read because I can't say for sure because I've never seen these films, but these it says from 8 in 1896, right? So that's I guess that's when they are going to consider was the first um it was a short film. Good it was Lord. Like, two minutes yeah two minutes long and that's i guess what they're going to consider was the first uh depiction of a horror on screen i would have guessed the 40s no so 1896 and i have seen clips and it's creepy they're like uh it's obviously black and white and it's in some place that looks like jerusalem like it's you know what i mean like Mm. it's in these ancient lands and um there's like the devil, you know, he looks like 
what you what the the old pictures of the devil look like like you just Darth generic. Darth Maul Darth yes. Maul well exactly that's where they got it from in for Insidious right from Tip 1896 through the <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so so that like your generic like if I were to put on a Halloween costume of the devil that's what this guy looked like oh please um, do. So I guess they're they're crediting that to a guy named George Millay, which I I did read about, um, and he just made these uh, these short film. He made like a hundred, two hundred of these things, and they ranged from you know two and a half, two two and a half minutes to I think like his longest was like fourteen minutes or something like that. Uh, anyway, that that one, if you want, you can even look up images and stuff on youtube it's called le manoir du diable so it's that that translates to the haunted castle or the house of the devil i guess oh cool so anyway so that's just a quick little little thing there um and then they move on to like trick photography that's when that was they started playing around with these um these are creepy images yeah i'm looking it up this is creepy yeah <laughs> and the yeah, black and white like the the overexposed the fact that you can't really make everything out perfectly it mm. just adds to it mm-hmm. and yeah. obviously there was no no sound because so right. then you get in right and then after that you get into your whatever these guys are making trick films right so they're using they're kind of doing magic tricks on film and that's kind of how they made these little these trick photography it was like a way to showcase these newly invented special effects and stuff like that so they were like um kind of using these x-ray machines where they would kind of so in films they would use what they would call uh an x-ray machine but they would really just paint people like as skeletons or they'd paint their clothes as skeletons and then film it in a certain way to make them look like real skeletons. That was about as far as they could really go, obviously. And that's all they're that's all they're doing when you go to the hospital for an X-ray. Right. <laughs> well, obviously, that's why they. Yeah, that's they've an never industry. found anything in me. Anyway. Yeah, it's an industry secret. But they're like, ah, oh, we think your leg's broken. We're gonna have to do an X-ray. They get together. <laughs> there's like a Christmas party, and they just show these things on like a PowerPoint. And it's, so this yeah. was the X-ray. It was invented by uh, George Millay in 1896. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so pretty much, yeah. As you're looking at those or whatever, they got there no sound, right? So, right. Then you move into the German expressionism, right? That's kind of where, where the real these real the the fe- the feature films and yeah. and that's when you get you know, your Nosferatu and. Um, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, um, which I love German expressionism because I'm, you know, as cliche as it is, I'm a, I'm a big, I grew up a Tim Burton buff, right? And and Tim Burton yes. is heavily yes. inspired. Like all of these crooked the angles yep. and, and sort of deep, dark, sunken eyes yes. and pale faces. It and, is, yep, it is, it, honestly... His set pieces are, it's like Dr. Caligari. Have you ever seen Dr. Caligari? No. The no. cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So write that one down. It's like a 19. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I got Mandy and the cabinet of Dr. 
Caligari. So Caligari. that is. I was going to write calamari, but I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty yummy cabinet. Do you like? Can you cal- imagine? I'm just yes. like, yeah. Hey, want to see my calamari cabinet? Oh my god! All you can eat. That's my first question. All you can eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he, he, that film is. It's I haven't seen it in some time but it's uh obviously no dial it's a german silent german expressionism film so super what german expressionism is i guess i go in is just um you just high like super over exaggerated expressions and um painted like can like they would paint dark black lines on the canvases as set pieces because they didn't really have set pieces so they'd make these weird windy very macabre looking set pieces and really dark makeup and things like that it's pretty much like um so during world war ii i guess they would uh, i guess we'll get into that later so i'll just stick with the the path i'm getting i'm getting all scatterbrained so you're anyway, on the right you, show then. Yeah, if you take <laughs> There's just so much like talking about the horror genre as a, you know, it's a there's a lot to cover. So I'll just obviously go through the main points. So Dr. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, if you look, it's got all of exactly what I said, the painted narrow, they're like little narrow alleyways that would walk on and it's uh it's it's about like a hypnotist and he um puts people under like hypnosis or something like that and he makes them commit murders and things like that so it's really simple but obviously then it was eye-opening and terrifying and uh obviously the start of something something new um so and then there's nosferatu obviously you've probably heard of that i would think right yep yep Yep. yeah yeah so that's an interesting one too obviously it's a german silent expressionism type film um crazy you know crazy settings like your transylvania your typical transylvania settings and jittery weird movements you know like that's where i always thought too thinking about uh the j horror like you're talking about the grudge earlier right Mm. and how they would have those weird jittery movements you know what i mean yes and yes. like in the ring when she would come out of the TV and crawl, yeah. like it was kind of weird, and their heads would kind of move in a weird way, like a it was, jitter it was, and twitch. And- it was almost like a weird blend between regular film and stop motion, but it wasn't yes. quite stop motion, yeah. and it's just a yeah. very unnatural yeah movement. And, and things like sometimes it kind of looks sped up or and then slow yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, that's kind of what, like, I wonder if all a lot of these, if pretty much everything we're seeing now is kind of pulling from all of this older German expression because the, the their movements were so over-exaggerated because they couldn't use dialogue, right? right. So hmm. everything they did was just so over the top. And I just, and they would, when you watch these movies, their walking is so jittery and fast and slow and then weird and... Yeah, so it always makes me wonder because how far, you know, we really do pull back from. And obviously yeah. it, it feels like uh, at least these two films, Nosferatu and 
the cabinet. And then I guess there was another one too, thinking off the top of my head, I've been watching. I haven't seen it all, but I just started watching it the other day. It's 1920, 1920 German silent film called uh, Der, Der Golem, The Golem. Um, and it's about like, uh, I haven't watched all of it, but as I'm getting right now, it's some, some man, some creature made out of mud and clay. And he's uh, falling in love with a woman and she's not um, not giving him his love that he desires back. So I assume uh, murder will ensue. God, I feel on. like I could sue for the rights to my life story. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, um, yeah, so then I guess from there, the biggest thing would just be, you know, the universal... Universal mm. Monsters... Right. I grew up renting the, uh, this is one I forgot about. I grew up renting the VHS for the Creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh my gosh. It was, I don't know why. I don't know why specifically that one. And I was definitely far too young to be watching it or to understand it. Um, but there was just something about the character design that I loved. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, probably sure. one of the only, that's probably the only original monster movie that i've seen cool huh have you seen it pete no 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 i'm I'm actually just googling some stills of it but no and it's yeah it's just a dude in a suit but oh yeah yeah but it's it's iconic it's classic it's so good yeah i would agree with you i think uh all of um all of their monsters, like all their feature movies, were great. Uh, the very first ones were great, with like, uh, you know, Lugosi and Karloff and all them. Um, but yeah, so Universal, obviously they, I, they didn't start. I think uh, nineteen twenty-three, so it would have been three years after Nosferatu and the Cabinet and. Uh, Durgolum. So, geez, still that's earlier than I thought. Yeah, so twenty three is when they started to put out. Um, that's when they actually. That's when they began uh, phase one of their their monsters of Universal monsters. So that's right. like, so you know how like Marvel now has phase one and two of their. So that's yeah, that's how Universal started it in 1923 with their monsters. So it's yeah, it's hmm. really interesting. And they revealed them at Comic-Con 1921. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um yeah, LA 1921 LA as I'm looking at it right now. I can look up facts on the internet too, Pete. <laughs> it actually just made that as a joke. Friggin yeah, show that's up. not that's not a I wish there was a Comic-Con. I want to see what a Comic-Con looked like in 1921. Let me People, tell you. A it was full time. of full of moonshine and the Charleston. Yeah, and kids running around in pillowcases with holes cut out of their eyes. <laughs> right? And, <laughs> yeah. And and candy corn galore. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. You like candy corn? Uh, do I? No. Yeah. No, Hell I, yeah, baby. I don't think oh. so. You know what? I always think no, candy corn's gross and then Whenever I take some candy corn and I put it on my tongue, I think this is just this is just hard icing. Is all this is? It's just like hard sugary. <laughs> but now that October is here, I'm going to be taking myself to the bulk barn. And what I do like 
is the Halloween kisses, like that, like molasses toffee, like you know the hundred year old candy at this point. Mm. They're so good. So good. yeah, isn't Bulk Barn's weird now though, right? Because they're yeah, because now you show up at Bulk Barn and they're like, "Hi, what can? What do you want?" I'm your I'm your right. candy tender. That's yeah, what and I'm, I'm like, "What do you mean? Tender. What do I want? I'm at the Bulk Barn. I want to walk around and." And look mm. and take things from the bins when you're not looking and sample them. Yeah. Like, what do you? I don't really yeah. want you knowing how much and what I'm just shoving down my gullet. Which is, I'm, and maybe <laughs> someone's got the answer to this. And this is not, this is not horror related at all or Halloween related. But we were talking about, you know, obviously in the world that we're living in right now, uh, the restaurants that are open are doing things differently, right? Uh, the Mandarin is open. Like like big Chinese buffet chains. I think they're are just open. wait. How are they doing that? For, How I, thought, I think they're just doing takeout. You think they're just doing like a la well, carte because, takeout? Well, yeah, because I thought buffets if, were a no no. Well, yeah, but unless Mandarin, it's a similar they do style. have a menu. Unless you walk, they do, but unless you walk up and they're like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, oh, "God, I don't know." Like. All like of the shrimp. crab legs. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want that's right. Three chicken balls and this much noodle, but not too much noodles. And I want like, yeah, I, it sounds miserable to me. I'm yeah. the. Uh, I'm the. I'll take one plate of just mishmash, and then I'll have seventy-two plates of dessert after. And wouldn't you feel judged? <laughs> wouldn't you feel judged? Like if if there's a person who you know you show up in at the Chinese buffet and you're like your sixth plate, and you're like. Me again. Okay, I have. <laughs> He's like, bud, I've lost all the calories that you've put on. Like, yeah. Just getting your food. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right, back to it. All right, we're just, yeah, just derailing. That's fun. It's fun. You guys having fun? I'm having fun. Yeah. All right. All right, so, yeah, so, okay. Sorry, I didn't Universal. answer. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am enjoying it. Uh, uh, I had this little pop-up just come up on my computer saying, "Doctor Pimple Popper video." I'm like what? Huh? Do you ever get YouTube pop-ups? It's like new video. I've no, but similarly, I've uh, I've gone to YouTube to watch a video, and then thirty-six hours later, I'm on what I can only describe as the dark side of YouTube no. because I just keep the, I just keep clicking the you may also be interested in and then I'm like how did I oh. how did I get here why am I watching why am I watching things that I feel like des- deserve to belong on the dark web when really I just came here to watch you know how to neuter a cat at home like why why am I now seeing this stuff oh that's awful <laughs> I would never do that. I'd be too scared to like. I love cats. I'd be too scared. Yeah, I do something to a dog because I don't like dogs. But yeah, I feel that. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, poor fly got a dog, and I just feel bad that I said that. Now. <laughs> All right. So the films from Universal Monsters were uh, the early stages. Obviously, the ones that we. Um, I think we're still well known now. I think that we still refer back to. We're obviously based off of books by Edgar Allan Poe and Victor Hugo. You know, quote you the know, Raven. You know, yeah, right. And the Raven and like Frankenstein. Yeah, and you know, Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right. 
And that's that's a really that movie's very creepy, really. Sorry, when um, you said Victor Hugo, for some reason I just thought Mary Shelley, and that's why I said Frankenstein. And I yep, that, can't explain why I said that, but it's on topic. Okay. Well, it is on topic, and that's all right. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Frankenst- well, they were writing books probably back around the same. I don't really know when Victor Hugo, but I know Mary Shelley wrote. Listen to this. She wrote Frankenstein 1818. Romanticism. Man, I, that concept for 1818, like that is mind-blowing and terrifying. I need to I need for, to For sure, but it, but it blends in with the romanticism era. R- right. I need to set the record straight because this drives me nuts up the wall for the record once okay. and for all. If you're listening okay. to this, Frankenstein is the doctor. Yes. The monster is Frankenstein's monster. Yes. Stop. Yes. Stop doing images of a green guy with bolts in his neck and stitches on his face with the label Frankenstein underneath it because right. that's not Frankenstein. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's this line where the horror fans we've all just kind of like okay yeah, we whatever know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, PSA I named time. like I named my cat when I was 18, uh, 18. when I was eight years old. I named him Frankenstein. Nice. You know, he's not the doctor. He was actually the monster. But I wasn't going to call him Frankenstein's monster. No. no. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's a long when you're kind of scolding your pet. That that just yeah. adds a lot of syllables. Frankenstein's well, monster, you friggin'. <laughs> Stop being a monster. <laughs> what, have, what, have, what have I said about pooing on the carpet, Frankenstein's monster? <laughs> <laughs> I say, what I tell you about scratching up the walls, Frankenstein's monster. Gosh, darn it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and like you said, the Raven, like you just you just named that one, which is that's a crazy film too. And that's a super macabre story. The Mask of the Red Death, The Pit and the Pendulum, you know. Which was done by obviously we'll get into later, Vincent Price. So um it's just too many to name for the the films here, but the the first universal film was um Hunchback. So um, hmm. Hunchback and uh, the Phantom, the Phantom of the Opera, um, mm. which is yep. Yeah, which um, I've I haven't seen those films in a long, long time, but I know that uh, uh, Lon Chaney, right? Lon Chaney Senior, the guy who played um, the Phantom, he no uh, regarded as one of the greatest f- actors, I think, of all time. Uh, the man, what they call him, the man with a hundred faces or something, the man with many faces. And he would do his own makeup and everything like that. He did his own makeup for the Phantom of the Opera, and he was terrifying as well. So Lon Chaney Sr., I think, is a, is a big name there to write down or just to remember because as we get, you know, as we move on through the Universal era, uh, he passes away and Lon Chaney Jr., you know, joins the fray and follows in his footsteps and is obviously uh, uh, the Wolfman, right? Yeah. Um, and he was regarded as one of the greatest actors. So him and his father both really, I think, set helped set the tone for um, – for horror uh, to come obvious obviously they were uh unbelievable um 
Um, and then you had like Bella Lugosi and yeah. as Dracula. That's a Boris, name a lot of people know. Yeah, Boris Karloff as, as Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Claude Rains, right, as the uh, the Invisible Man, um, which is also incredible too when it comes to special effects. I think that film, when you talk about the Invisible Man, it's um, more it's regarded as a horror film, but more regarded as like a um, like a masterwork achievement of uh, special effects for the era because. When they had him, because obviously he's the invisible man and he's supposed to be invisible. So yeah. that's, um, that's a lot lot of work to put on the shoulders of uh, a 19, uh, whatever, 1928 or whatever that film came out, 1930s. Um, but yeah, if you watch the scene, even if you don't watch the whole film, there's a scene. You should be able to see it on YouTube anyway, but it's of the invisible man of Claude Rains unraveling the bandages on him on his face and his head and he uh unravels them and he is invisible like right before your eyes you can't even tell you still can't tell and it's actually still it's mind-blowing to watch now it is one of the the greatest it's still like even for now it is really unbelievable it's hard Hmm. to even kind of see the flaws in it it is truly yeah it's incredible i was I was sorely disappointed when, uh, like two years ago, when word hit the the web that we were getting an Invisible Man movie, I got really, really excited. And then what we, because at the time we we didn't have a trailer or anything. And obviously the 2020, yeah, 2020 film that we got, Invisible Man, isn't the Invisible Man that we know and love. Uh, still a great film. I give the invis- the new Invisible Man very high praise. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I was I was hoping for a dude in a trench coat. Right. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, I haven't seen it yet, um, to be honest. But uh, from what I've read, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a different take. I kind of wish that, because um, I know Universal, they were trying to reboot their monsters. Kind of, I mean, with like Dracula Untold, and sort of, yeah. Like we had that, and then we had I Tom, Frankenstein. We had Tom Cruise like in the Mummy, in the yeah. Mummy, mm, yeah. And but then, but then, what happened? I mean, and like I, I didn't, oh, I didn't bother because they honestly don't look. I was like, this is not going to be good. I set out to watch. Uh, I did set out to watch the Tom Cruise mummy, despite my hatred for Tom Cruise. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I thought that my overwhelming love for Brendan Fraser would carry me through. Uh, mm. And it Those didn't. I, I fell asleep partway through the, the awesome. Tom Cruise one. I, I was very disinterested. Yeah. Yep. So I just, uh, with the Invisible Man from Blum, from Blumhouse, I, I just wish that they were like, no, we're going to take the reins here and, and, and reboot it and reboot the, the Universal Monsters. But then they went this route, and I'm like, well, eh, they can't really do that now. Because I heard that they're taking on some of the old classes. Like, they're redoing the thing. Yep. Right? Right. And, and so, like, they're, they're, they're redoing some old classics right now. I just kind of wish they went that the authentic route so they could could have kept 
kind of kept it going as uh, paying homage to the old ones anyway, but that's eh, not the case. Um, I'm just looking up now. Uh, keep talking, but I am looking up uh, what their their roadmap is, what they're they're planning to do, yeah. uh, whether it'll Blum. come to fruition or not. Who Blumhouse? Uh, just just Universal, like oh. Universal's relaunch of their yeah. their monster universe. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I'm excited to hear. Um. Yeah. So I guess when these films start coming out. Uh, you were entering like the talkie era, era, um, talkies obviously are just films that use sound and dialogue, you know, simple stories. You've um, heard of them, right? Yeah. You've heard of those films, right? We don't all watch silent films now, right? <laughs> Not all of us anyway. Um, yeah, they're just simple stories, right? Uh, sound like sound and dialogue driven just um emphasizing on the creep because they would add music and a lot and like creepy organ scores and you would hear the creaky doors and the creaky floorboards and and this in the howling of the winds right outside and and so that that was kind of the emphasis for these films that was kind of how they brought the, the scares now they were finding new ways obviously so they weren't um, terribly like I know the terror was one of them. Nineteen twenty-eight. Uh, mm. That was Warner Bros. I think that was Warner Bros. First uh, horror film. I think that's when they kind of joined the horror, uh, uh, whatever, like the horror uh, scene there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're still kind of doing it now, but. Um, but the terror, I, it's pretty much a revolutionary film because I think that was, I think the terror was the first, talk. I think it was the first talkie. I, uh, ooh, I should be saying this stuff, but I, I want to say I, I, I want to say it is. So I'm just gonna go ahead and if anyone has any qualms with that, come at me, bro. But uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, I wanna, I, I think I'm confident in saying that anyway. It was the first, the first one. Okay, I got, I got it here. I got it here. Uh, so Universal, in 2014, Universal announced that they were going to uh, launch what they were calling the Dark Universe, um, which was a shared cinematic universe, because uh, that's a fresh original idea these days. Um, a shared cinematic universe, uh, and they were going to reboot all the monster movies. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have since abandoned the idea of a shared universe um, and are just doing standalone monster films. So to date, they've done Dracula Untold, The Mummy, and The Invisible Man, the films that are currently in production over at Universal, which means anywhere from people have been cast to we have a screenplay to, you know, there's a producer signed on and we're in talks with a director, are um, Dark Army, Renfield, Frankenstein, The Invisible Woman, okay. Monster Mash, <laughs> The Bride of Frankenstein, oh, wow. okay. Dracula, oh. The Wolfman. So they're doing, okay, so they're doing another one. Little Monsters, oh. and uh, an Untitled Invisible Man sequel. 
Um, but I do know about the Wolfman one because the Wolfman, uh, they they actually have um, Ryan Gosling is signed on. Whoa! Uh, to play oh. the Wolfman. Okay. Yeah. So there's some there's some notoriety there. A yeah. Big name. Well, they're gonna you know they're gonna get big names for these, which is yeah, that's good stuff. Oh man, I think. Though, could you imagine someone coming and say, "Hey, do you want to play Dracula? Or do you want to play Frank?" Like that is an God, honor. I like, would that, be. Yeah, I would think any actor would be very interested in doing that. It's like when they approached Aaron Eldridge and said, "Okay, we're going to give you Han Solo." Like, how do you? How do you even? You know, or or crap, you know, you crap your pants. We we want you to be the next Batman. Good Lord, I don't know. Robert I mean, Pattinson. Part of me says yes, absolutely, I want to do it. But another part of me says I don't know. I don't know if I want to be the one in those shoes if it all goes south. Like, mm-hmm. well, and it's not like hey, the last time someone did these, they crapped the bed. It's like exactly. no, the last time you're going up against some of the greatest actors in the world. Yeah, you want me to ever. play a vampire? Sure, I'll show Christopher yeah. Lee what's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'll play play Frankenstein's monster better than Boris Karloff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, man. Yeah. But yep. 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 So anyway, yeah. So the 30s. So like I, the terror. I looked it up. Yeah, 1928. Um, so then that would be before, just before um, Frankenstein and Dracula, because those all, Frankenstein was 1930, uh, as was Dracula, I believe. So the 30s would really be considered probably the golden age of uh, the Universal Monsters, because, yeah, 1930, Frankenstein, Dracula, and you got the mummy, Invisible Man, uh, all of them you know prolific and they would all create sequels and make this in universal tons of money um so that's probably the first time that um they were making probably money like this that they were able to kind of toss around and just keep using this formula to just keep raking in the cash and produce and then using it probably to produce lower budget um you know romantic comedies or romantic films or whatever else they were producing. I'm not huge on whatever, everything else they were kind of doing at the time. Um, Cause I'm not like a full on cinephile when it comes to that stuff, but sure. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, also I, I saw the numbers. So they produced 21 films in the thirties, 21 um horror like in the universal monsters uh universe so 21 films in that 10 is a years. lot right that's, that's a lot by yes. today's standards mm-hmm. that is an astronomical amount yep. by in in the 1930s holy crap well so in the 20s they they made five right oh, and so wow. then right and so then in the 30s when these monsters kind of took hold and started and people really, they were invested in them and they wanted to see, yeah, 20, 21. So that, that might give you a little bit like insight into, yeah, how, how these monsters probably, you know, these were the, the, the catalyst for what universal is today. And, um, you know, they probably made them the money to be what they were today and, and grow the fan base and, and, 
clientele that they have in Hollywood and just, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's super interesting when you go back to see these films too, because it's really giving you like this insight, this inside look into, yeah, this is kind of how, what we're watching now, this is kind of how everything began. And these actors were, yeah, these will go down They're They've gone down as the greatest, right? So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and to see like, Especially, I couldn't imagine being a kid, like, because I didn't really get into this stuff until I was, you know, in high school and into these guys. Because okay, I don't care about the 1920s and Dracula is like a kind of like a care. I always thought of him as like a caricature. Like, you see, sure. like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And he do this weird, like, I'm Dracula. And like, you, I kind of laugh at that as a kid. Like, oh, this is kind of silly because I was used to, like, the feral vampires. and Right. But now I look, I'm like, that is, yes, that that's the true vampire. That's the real. The gentleman vampire. Yes, that's the <laughs> suave, seducing, yeah. Silk yes. cape. Yeah. Or and vel- now velvet, I, velvet cape. And I find that to be more creepy now. Sure. Because he would, you know, he's so seducing. He, like, he could, Bela Lugosi could seduce me into doing anything. So, right? So, I've just, man, seeing that depicted on screen, this guy could have his way. Like, that was the thing. He was just able to do and persuade anyone into doing anything because he was just so charming and and, and handsome. Right? Charming. So, charming is a good word. I think yeah. charming is definitely what I think of, yeah, when I think of classic Dracula yeah. with the slicked back hair. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the widow's peak yep. yes yeah 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 <laughs> yep yeah and then yeah christopher lee even more so i think he was a super charming man well and he had uh like his voice had an extra depth to it right that just made him yeah because because christopher lee's such a baritone that yeah he just had this this kind of like welcoming and and warm safe kind of feel to him which is scary because he wasn't warm and safe he was you know he wanted to suck your blood <laughs> um dracula. dracula yeah and uh, yeah he's uh very yeah he's very subtle like his dialogue was so subtle whereas um now it's all in like interview with a vampire by ann rice and so it's all like overextended dialogue, just probably just meant to try and get us to read into things a little bit more. Whereas back then there was there these themes that we have now, I don't think they were so involved in the films back then, like the true themes like we get now, like Get Out is a it's not just a horror movie. That's a, you know, a, a movie for black for black people. And it's. You know, a, a, social, it, a social a commentary. social commentary and I don't think these themes were really they did put themes like that I don't think in movies back then so I don't think there was too much you could read into other than yes this guy's just a seducing suave charming man that's uh, seducing women and sucking and biting their necks and sucking their blood um, they, they didn't really explore the uh, the loneliness of a vampire and um, how being alive for eternity can really affect your mental health and and they didn't and, drive Volvos and they didn't right sparkle yes. in the sun and they didn't oh, you know yes and like the Lost Boys and then, you know they weren't having beach parties and exactly yeah and driving <laughs> motorcycles and stuff. what a shame 
But they were sleeping upside down. Uh, <sighs> gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta it's been a long it. time. That's how you get sleep. That's how you get sleep. Yeah, man. It's like Daredevil, Ben Affleck style. So he sleeps in water, right? Doesn't he sleep in water with he his does. ears like yeah. submerged in water? Yeah. Because otherwise his, his senses, his hearing is so overbearing otherwise that he can't. Right, yeah. Yeah, his, yeah. so he just oh, sleeps in his ears in water. Yeah, it is a weird one. <laughs> so where does that bring us to? Well, so, okay, so I guess just the Universal Monsters, big ones, right? Yep. And then you go in, like, what comes after that? 44, you know, picture of Dorian Gray, um, things like that would maybe be a milestone. Uh, but uh, I think, yeah, the ni- the 1950s would probably be where we'd go into next with, like, the climate change and the nuclear war uh you know everything like that so we had like the creature features were starting to come out in the 50s like creature from the black lagoon and then you had like the the body snatcher films um uh films were starting to kind of they had like a contemporary look like looking at a starting to look at the political and social aspects Hello? Oh, Hello. Yeah. everything yeah. just cut out there for a second. Oh, no, no. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so they're kind of looking, I think now in the 50s is where we started to get these, uh, the social and political concerns a little bit more in the, right. in the films. Uh, the after effects of the world war and, right? <clears throat> so... Yeah, you had, you had the creatures from the, you know, the nuclear age. You had these oversized creatures. I think that's when we got, you know, Godzilla even and, and yeah. things like that, right? And um, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956, which mm-hmm. was, um, you know, filled to the brim with paranoia and um, not being able to trust really anyone having your neighbors look uh, identical but them being imposters and causing mass hysteria and the hysteria going on at the time if you haven't seen that one i would really suggest that one i love invasion of the body snatchers 1956 hmm. that is one of, i think if i were to make like a top 10 horror film even a top 10 film list like my all-time top, that's that's up there that's one of I think the greatest films. My one of my favorites, anyway. It's uh, black and white, obviously. It's uh, just uh, for '56. It is filled with paranoia. Like that movie gets under my skin still, and kind of like I find them like because. So you have the pod people in this one. So what happens? These these alien beings kind of start to snatch up bodies in this town, California town, and uh, as they do. Yeah, and so it, it happens when they they fall asleep. So as these people fall asleep, they kind of uh, their bodies get taken over, and then they are rebirthed out of these pods. And they they're they're different, but they're they look exactly the same. They they refer to them as uh, they they're the exact same person, but they don't have any facial features. So it's like having your neighbor look the exact same, but he just doesn't smile and his cheeks don't really move. And he just he's just a little bit off. He's just uncanny. Right. 
you're entering that like uncanny valley kind of just something is just a tad bit off but you can't really put your finger on it well yeah that it's it's really creepy having you think your neighbors and everyone around you that you love and and thinking i'm constantly yelling at the screen like don't fall asleep don't fall asleep don't fall asleep <laughs> you fall asleep you're gone right so it's yeah it's it still does it for me that one i experienced um, this when i moved to the greater toronto area Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much everything you're describing right now is uh, it's all the people just just all my whole subdivision emotionless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that so that kind of takes us to the fifties. Um, yeah. What where if you if you were kind of moving along, what where what other major milestones kind of separate us between yeah, the fifties so... and where where we're at today? Yeah, so in the fifties, yeah, so you had that. And then Ray Harryhausen, I think, is a big name. I have to, I have to lay down. Uh, he was, he was like the master of uh, uh, claymation and like uh, shortstop animations and, and things like that. Like he did, you know, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. So I think he's a massive influence now. I gotta say his name because of guys like Peter Jackson and and mm. Garamo, right? Like they all pull. I think every filmmaker probably has pulled from Ray Harryhausen at some point or another. He is that influential. Hmm. Um, and then William Castle would be another one who was famous for his gimmicks. So he was famous for getting people into seats by using gimmicks, by using fright, fright tactics and, and things like that. Like he would hand out uh, like a thousand dollar life insurance policies at the door uh, in case of death. <laughs> yeah, in case of death, right? From fright of the film. And so this would get people in and, you know, he had a house on Haunted Hill during the screening of that. He floated like a, a fake skeleton above everybody, right? So, ah, the good hmm. old days. Right? So <laughs> you kind of use these gimmicks to kind of get people in the seats and, and get them scared beforehand. So I think he's a big one. Uh, and then obviously the Japanese kaiju movies in 54, uh, Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra. I think those got to be considered horror because... They're monsters. I just, I think that's, I think that's what it comes down to. They're monsters. So I think we're going to say that's horror. Um, oh yeah. They were right. So, all right. So if we move on quick from that, um, you know, this is kind of where science fiction and everything kind of emerged, right? Mm. Uh, from the, the after effects of the war, I think is, is really <clears throat> how all that started. You've got Roswell, you've got everyone's <clears throat> getting all uptight about right. Area 51. Right. right. Yep. So, you got to have things like that. So, all right, moving on. Then Hammer started in the 50s, and I think that's a big name, too, I as Brady's mentioned Christopher Lee's name a few times and things like mm. that. So Hammer, um, you know, they released Count Dracula with Christopher Lee uh, in 1958. So uh, that was near the end of the, the decade there. But they were uh, most famous for kind of reintroducing, you know, the, the universal classic monsters and kind of retelling the same stories, but in color – uh, with graphic and gory like scenes, blood, and uh, which made these films a little more shocking, obviously, to people than they were before. So that's where you get Frankenstein was painted green and 
So that's where you kind of, that's where Frankenstein got his green color. That's where you kind of right. That's the where image you start we to all know. know. Yeah, the image we all know, and I think a lot of people how they see Dracula, they see Christopher Lee's Dracula, and his Frankenstein. I think he was yeah he was Frankenstein as well. So Christopher Lee played both. He played Frankenstein's monster and Dracula. So it's yeah interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then you leave that decade. And you got to move into the 60s because that's when Psycho was released, right? Right. So, oh, yeah. And then you get Alfred Hitchcock kind of doing his thing. And and he yep. is, if we're going to talk about horror, then, yeah, he's definitely a, the big name. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And he, he started in the 20s, believe it or not. He started making German, like, silent German expression films. But they weren't horror. They were more, uh, he was in... He's kind of dabbling in like thriller. Obviously, we know him as like the king of master of suspense, right? So sure. Um, and actually, he really got his feet wet with romantic comedies in the really early twenties. Right, right. Um, yeah, I can't. What are some of his earlier ones? Just to derail for one second, um, just because he's uh, he's amazing, right? Like I think any filmmaker, right? Any genre. No matter what, I think Alfred Hitchcock's a big influence just because of suspense and the way he writes. He's just a genius. Mm -hmm. um, I've always thought that about Vertigo. Brady and I differ a little bit, but... Yeah, we sure 19... do. <laughs> so his first... The credit his first film in 1925 was called The Pleasure Garden. Oh yes, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, that I was. I have no idea. Yeah, me, <laughs> me either. Me either, sir. I really, I really, I was like, damn, Brady, like you, you are well, well. I was gonna say well read, but well viewed. I was gonna but say, yeah. I've, you, I've yeah. spent many years trying to grow myself a pleasure garden. I just don't have a green thumb, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though, Pete. Like it says, just reading the description it says two couples as romances are fancifully intertwined so hmm. yeah 1925 would be that's interesting i just had to check that out um so yeah he's he's a big one uh psycho 1960 probably mm. considered uh i think widely considered probably one of the for if the if not the first slasher right this first slasher film yeah um Mm. Yeah, and, I mean uh, it's the oldest one I can think of. Yeah, Janet, Janet Lee, you know, stabbed in the in the shower, the the famous shower scene. With oh these, yeah, with the with the song, the notes yes. that we all know. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It's uh it's a great scene. Janet Lee too. Like, do you know? Do you know who's her daughter? Do you? No. I give you some trivia right now. Who's yeah. Janet Lee's daughter? So oh, the woman uh. who was murdered in Psycho. Okay. One of the first, I guess you can call her one of the first uh, scream queens just from that scene, right? So her daughter, do you don't know? No, I haven't got a clue. Okay. Je yeah, Jennifer Aniston. No. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. um, That's a good um, guess. Um, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you're right. It's Beyonce. You got me. 
Oh they, baby, th- uncanny! Yeah, they look identical. How? Yeah, you not, see, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed, but mm-hmm. yeah. huh? Who? Anyway, Who is it? Her, so her, her daughter is Jamie Lee Curtis. No. Yeah. Whoa. So the okay, quintessential, the quintessential cool. scream queen, right? Yeah. Is the daughter of the first scream the first queen. scream queen. Wow. No way. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously cool. Jamie Lee Curtis in the Halloween franchise, right? That's yep. Oh, yes. right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Who's cool. who's interesting? Which, like she's returned to it now. She's which gone. Which also, back if to, you want to go full circle with that, just like a grassman at stra- uh, straws here. So they say Hitchcock, nineteen sixty, Psycho, King of Suspense, Don't Show or Show Don't Tell. Right. That's kind of his thing. Janet Lee, so Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, their daughter, Michael Myers, John Carpenter was referred or uh, was um, compared from this film. Just this film was compared to Psycho in tons of ways. He was compared to Hitchcock in tons of ways because the way he used suspense and he showed but uh, didn't tell. And he built his films a lot like Hitchcock. So it's just kind of kind of interesting that, yeah. I don't know. I always found that kind of interesting. They're both very yeah. similar in that the way that they're built, those two films. And yeah, they come, you know, cool. 20, you know, almost 20 years late apart. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah. So he was the master of suspense, like we said, the pioneer of psychological torture, like we said. He, I think he made like the MacGuffin, you know, the MacGuffin in a film. No. No, I I don't no. know what that is. Oh, oh, okay. So the MacGuffin is used in tons of films. A lot of times, like a crime or a mystery, like a whodunit. Um, but the MacGuffin's like it's like a object or something that was said or shown earlier on in the film. You know, usually in like the first act or something. Oh, cool. And then by the end of the film, it kind of means nothing that MacGuffin oh. it's it means nothing they showed ah. you that and they ha- and it, it just completely lacks of importance by the end of the film eh. you, so that's you know what I it's like a the, misdirection the example that pops into my head for that is just about every episode of the Simpsons ever Mm, yeah, <laughs> the yes. Simpsons always starts yes. out, and and I, what's oh. happening when the episode starts has zero impact on yes, the rest of the episode. Brady, I love that you said that, man. Yeah, I zero really impact. do because I was we. So me and Jess, my wife, for everyone listening, uh, we watch The Simpsons before bed every night. That's just our. We watch like two episodes of Simpsons before bed every night. That's just our thing. I've seen every episode as you should fifty times. Every episode I was thinking last night was the first time I sat there and was like, huh, these are really built like um, like a Mr. Like a MacGuffin, like everything that's said in the first five minutes of this story goes completely off the rails. And that's not what this episode is yeah, about. It means, means nothing means at all. Nothing. It's just <laughs> yeah. a way to it's a plot device used to set the get the story in motion. Usually and then at, they just forget it. Usually right? at the end of every Simpsons episode, I go. How did we get here? How did we end up here? Because when this started, we were we were playing mini golf, and now we're you know we've stopped the the power plant from melting down. Like what yeah. what what? 
Well, when you're yeah, when you're talking about a Simpsons episode, you're you you ask two questions: How did it start, and how does it end? Because <laughs> if you tell me how it starts, I still don't know if I'll know yeah, what episode yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So we covered him a bit. I feel bad. Obviously, I'd like to dive into him, but I can't. Uh, and then you get Mario Bava, who is like the Italian Hitchcock, right? So I think he's a big name. He was, uh, yeah, he's like the Italian version of Hitchcock. Um. They kind of made uh, what what a subgenre still used today. So I think it's important mentioning is the the Jalo the Jalo film. You heard of Jalo? No. Before so Jalo was like an Italian uh, subgenre of horror. The uh, the Who Done It? So the classic Who Done It film. Um, they would, you know, they would wear the black gloves and they would use a knife and, um, uh, yeah, it's pretty much, it was just sexy, the, the explicit, uh, and it was a big mystery film. It's just a big mystery. Uh, you wouldn't know who the killer was until the very last, uh, scene or act or whatever. And it kind of switched between who you would think. So that's a Jalo. Jalo means yellow. Um, I guess what I read was that, uh, these type of novels in, in Italy, the mystery novels, they all came on yellow, uh, with yellow paperbacks, right? Oh, so, okay. Huh. So I guess they, hmm. yeah, they called the film genre giallo. So it just means yellow. Um, yeah. And then, so yeah, just moving on from there, I guess you go into like the eighties would probably be the next big decade and you'd get. See, and that's where, you know, like when I think classic horror films, I think the 80s. Yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. yeah. you've got the introduction of so much. You've got, uh, I feel like the birth, is the 80s is when we had a lot of horror mascots birthed. Right. Hmm, like right. It, like everyone, like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and Freddy right. Krueger and yep. Chucky and... Uh, God, who else? Leatherface. Like, everyone's traced back to the 80s. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. From when we were growing up, especially in the 90s and stuff, right? We're all products of the 90s, right? Yeah, I guess Ghostface was the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, but I think those films were still pulling from the 80s. So I still, I think that's still what we knew. Because in the 90s, we were still getting... Uh, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. Sure. And <laughs> tons of... <laughs> you know, they were still coming. <laughs> oh, I stuff. didn't realize how many there were when I, I went to uh, look up the original eight? one. And eight, I eight? like I had to be careful which one I looked up. I'm like, dang, there's like 16 here. <laughs> Dream, Dream Warriors is epic. If you get Dream? an opportunity, oh. Pete, after, you, after we watch the original, watch Come. Dream Warriors. And that sorry, which, which number is that one? Three? Four, three? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, you're three or four. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It's all, good though. Yeah. It's good. It, I would it say it's. Really I would good. say it's the best one in the original series. Got some good themes hmm. in that one, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it's, a it's good solid. one. Yeah, it is. You're right. You are correct, sir. So yeah, so the '80s yes. a big. It's a big one. Uh, like the '70s were big, you know. We're still reeling from war. Like you have George A. Romero. Like I, I guess I can't. I can't move past him with Night of the Living Dead, um, which was 
quintessential, I think, in horror, right? Like, you don't really go anywhere in horror without mentioning George A. Romero or not seeing, at least seeing Night of the Living Dead. It was like the sure. first first true zombie Zombies, movie, right? Man. And zombies um, don't do it for me, but when there's a couple of films that I do enjoy, and that's one of them. Night mm. of the Living Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, it was built and written brilliantly. Uh, it wasn't just zombies feasting, and they are, and they weren't like the fast ones that we see now, right? They're the slow moving, um, but it was a really character driven and like a, you know, they're locked up in the farmhouse, right? So you got a lot of um, um, character interaction that was pretty hostile, and yeah, it was interesting to uh, to watch, especially in the '60s. And I guess you know the first black, black star, in a, in a f- in film maybe right? Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that would Dwayne Jones, right? He was the black, huh. the black actor, and he was the hero and the the star of the movie. Ben was his character's name. That's pretty um, groundbreaking, then. If it, that I is think in it, fact. Yeah, hmm. I, I think okay. I I don't know if it was cinema in general, but I know for a fact that he was the first black star in horror film. So huh. I know that for a fact, oh, wow. which is which is very groundbreaking, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't typecasted. I, I was watching an interview with Romero, and he wasn't like. They didn't write him in the story as a black hero. Like in the script, he he was colorless. Like he could have been white, he could have been black, he could have been Chinese, he could have been any anyone, any race, any person. But uh, as Romero, you know, interviewed and had auditions for, uh, he said he was the best, the best one on the job, and so that's why we went with him. There was no racial. Um, influence or nothing. It was just he was the best one that came in for the auditions, and that's why we wanted him. So I think that's pretty cool. Which is how it should be. Yep, which, I, yes. exactly. Yep. That's exactly how it should be, which is I don't think a lot of the time how it is, and I still think today that's not how it is, which makes it so amazing that Romero did that in, you know, 64, whenever that movie came out, right? So... Yeah, it's it's really really awesome. Um, also, the the, the MPAA uh, I think came out in the seventies, which is like the film rating system. So I think that was big for for horror as well, because when Night of the Living Dead came out, there was no rating system in place yet. So uh, little kids were going into the theaters and watching oh, this dang. film. Yeah, and people that shouldn't have been watching this film were watching, and they were being traumatized and seeing things that they probably shouldn't be seeing. So I think uh, the film rating system in the 70s is probably a, a big milestone for horror, too, because they would obviously rate things rated R and ban, start to ban things from people to, to see. And Yeah, so hmm. 70s was interesting. Um, but yeah, the eighties. So, so Jordan, think, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just looking at the time. Could we bring yep. this plane in for landing? And could yep. you kind of skim skim over what we think you think we need to know between where we're at and where we are today, just to kind of yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I guess okay. So just we'll quick go 
through so we're kids in the 90s obviously the 90s wasn't great mm. was not a great um decade for horror things were just being uh rehashed or sequels a uh, super low budget until Wes craven uh i would say reinvented uh slashers with scream so i think that would be the big one in the 90s and and then the um the Blair Witch. So I, then we I got, think, and I think there may have even been one or two uh, kids that had Halloween costumes from the movie Scream. I'm not sure. Hmm. It could have been one or two. It could have been every damn kid that had oh. that stupid mask. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and I think um, as we go through these generations where we are, I think in the 90s, like I can't remember the social climates of the 90s, um, oh, but, I don't sure. but I don't think they were really social commentaries as much as we were getting things like they were kind of comedic. And I mm. think they were dabbling in CGI a lot more. So you weren't getting films that really hold up as well. When we look back at them now, I don't think they hold up. Um, right. Maybe maybe more slapstick than uh, a social commentary. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, we were dabbling in that in the 90s a little bit. And kind of horror didn't really have um, a true voice. Didn't really have an identity hmm. in the 90s hmm. until I think Craven kind of did scream and kind of used... Uh, horror to kind of mock itself a little bit, but kind of pay homage and 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 kind of write this love letter to the genre where people were like, yeah, we can kind of have fun with this, but it is still scary and it is still effective. And hmm. I think that's kind of where we at now with the social climate we're in now. I think a lot of um, horror movies are going back to the way they were in that golden era of the the 60s and 70s and 80s where they were social commentary and commenting on the war and whereas now we're commenting on our um, racial climate and our social climate and and um, mm. and um, you know uh, the classes like the the upper class and middle class and the lower class and having having a bit more of an underlying purpose towards the message that they're trying to convey. right and i think yeah you're getting that in movies like get out and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. other things and then i saw you know that speaking of the, the racial climate i just saw an um a trailer for that antebellum movie and it kind of hmm. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a look into like the maybe the slavery era and uh, making like a horror social comedy on that. And I and it's just kind of interesting that the, uh, I don't know how I, I want to word this, I guess. It's just interesting that a lot of people are kind of taking um, hold and kind of looking into the horror genre now. Um, as ways to express these when they weren't before. And I think a lot more of the mainstream's kind of starting to accept horror and, um, and things that are a little bit more, uh, I guess I could say like forbidden, I guess horror was considered back in the day. So maybe now um, we're kind of looking into the real life horrors where we're able to, with social media look at it more and it's constantly around us and you're not really able to escape it like i think you were back in the day whereas now i think since we're so exposed to um 
the real life horrors that it's it's probably easier and maybe cathartic for people to go into these films and watch them um kind of unfold and, and rewrite history and kind of yeah i don't know i think it's interesting that way <clears throat> yeah cool well, i guess yeah I, I i guess like to end it i i don't know how to end it really what I, the rant that i'm going on right <laughs> so just just horror in general you know i just um yeah i uh, i think it's a cheap uh it was a cheap easy way you know for for um directors and things like that to get started um get their name out there um kickstarted a lot of actors careers like we saw like you're gonna see in a nightmare on elm street with johnny depp and and things mm -hmm. like that i think um and i think it was just the amount of money you put into horror versus the the profit that it can get back is just an enticing um enticing route for filmmakers to take and i think that's probably why um there were so many horror movies in the 80s and things like that with these slashers because I think that people were just getting away with making low-budget movies and then having their careers kind of kick-started and getting them into the industry in ways um, that maybe other 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 genres wouldn't have allowed. Um, like these no-name actors kind of getting their chops, cutting their teeth in the genre. Maybe it wouldn't have worked in a comedy if you can't tell a joke and get a laugh, you know? Right. <laughs> well, and yeah, yeah, so I mean, you've got, um, yeah, so talking about that, like, you know, actors and directors who have gotten their start, really, or, or you know, found their footing in the industry in horror, right? So you've got actors like Paul Rudd with uh, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, hmm. Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. Right. Yeah. Uh, Johnny mm -hmm. Depp, obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street, we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Crispin Glover, in, he was in one of the Friday the 13th. I can't remember right. which one. Uh, Seth Rogen in Donnie Darko. Um, right. Jennifer right. Aniston in Leprechaun, we talked about. Um, who else? Leonardo DiCaprio, right, in Critters 3. That is oh, Le yeah. Leo's Leo's right. debut, right? Brad Pitt mm -hmm. in Cutting Class, uh, and Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in one of the Chainsaw sequels. Um, I can't remember which one. Uh, is it Leatherface, the third one, or it, whatever it, that one's it called? Could I be. can't remember. Right, but then and and you know, likewise, directors, right? So you've got. Um, James Cameron, uh, right? James yep. Cameron did the second, not the second remake of Piranha, uh, but but the original second Piranha movie was James Cameron, uh, Zack hmm. Snyder, um, James Gunn. We had like Peter Jackson. Peter right? Jackson, Steven yeah, Spielberg. The, Steven Spielberg. Right, yep. you've got mm. one of one of Steven's very early films is Jaws. Which yep. yeah. is he was he at the time he wasn't like who he was like he was a nobody yeah Frat, no. uh, Francis Ford Coppola oh, um, yes. Sam Raimi right Sam, Sam Raimi, Raimi yeah. who who did oh really the Toby McGuire oh yeah 
Yeah, oh, Sam wow. Raimi did um, Evil Dead. Wow, did he do? Yeah, he said uh, The Grudge. Um, Drag Me to Hell is a Sam oh, Raimi one. Wow. Don't Breathe. Right. Right. Yeah. Like these are all these. And Drag Me to Hell is so good. Um, but these are all these are all films that these guys you know have have built their career on because it's it's not necessarily that it's easy but it is cheap it's it's a smaller production it's it's you know you want to mm. shoot a horror film you get a bunch of actors that nobody's ever heard of you find a house that is in need of much repair uh and you shoot everything at night and you get some some makeup you put some makeup on people and mm-hmm. and slam some doors and add some low bass tones in and in post-production and you're well on your way to to making a a a paranormal thriller right yeah and it's horror is just so like adaptable to like through the decades you could kind of turn anything into a horror story um oh yeah you know right so it's kind of cool like (laughs) yeah (laughs) so hey there is horror movies about cats for sure right so um yeah so i think that's kind of everything that i can is there anything else you feel you need to touch on i just i just started ranting dude and just talking like i could talk (laughs) i could talk all night yeah about about horror but um well and we'll yeah, definitely like, have you on again at some point and uh mm-hmm. you know and we can dive deeper maybe like sub genres and and oh, yeah, stuff like that was, and, yeah and, i didn't like i didn't get into the, any of that stuff i wasn't too sure right yeah. i don't know where to start when someone asks me so what like oh that just goes i go in a hundred directions so. oh sure sorry yeah. for ranting boys no so I just... no dude you are a a fountain of chocolate and knowledge uh, <laughs> like willy wonk <laughs> not willy necessarily wonka? in that order but oh you know i'm not augustus gloop augustus gloop um cool uh so there's a thing that we typically do on the show and i've been dying to do it because uh, that's how we end our episodes um and we'll include you in this jordan okay. uh what'd you watch this week jordan in the last seven or so days, what films have you, what films Hold have on, graced me, your uh, eyeballs? So let me pull up my letterbox here quick. So, okay. So yeah, like I said before, I was watching that, the Gollum movie. Yep. I was trying to check that one out, um, which I'm not finished yet. So I'm not going to talk much about that one, but I started watching a film called Repo, the genetic opera. And oh. it's a horror musical um, uh, about, it's like a dystopian f- future, this city, I don't really know where they are, it's kind of run down and run by this organization, this family that of Dorgan, uh, Dorgan, <laughs> organ donors. <laughs> Dorgan owners. D- Dorgan owners. You know, if you if you or one of your loved ones own a Dorgan, then what you need is a Dorgan cleaner. So what they do is they they give uh, organs to people in need of these organs, or they give um, they finance or they finance them out, and they finance out like breast implants and things like that to women that want breast implants and. And so anyway, they, and they collect payments. So they finance them out and they collect payments. 
Well, if you don't make your payments, then they send out their repo men, and their repo men come and claim what is rightfully theirs. So, you know, they're ripping out do they, organs. Do they literally <laughs> claim? Do they literally claim their pound of flesh? Sorry. Do they literally claim their pound Sorry. pound of flesh? Everything just cut out there for a sec. Ladies and gentlemen, technical oh. difficulties. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some. <laughs> Is that on me? No, I don't. It's the internet. Is that man. on me? Uh. <laughs> yeah, they just they claim what's theirs. They do whatever they want. They're they're stealing organs. They're cutting out fake boobs and they're. And all while this is happening, they're singing songs, right? So they're singing these macabre, gothic-like songs, and it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's gory. It's it's a really cool, interesting concept. So I think cool. That's neat. Dang. Uh, and then uh, then one more. I just watched uh, a movie called The Furies, and it's uh, uh it's not very good, guys. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a Shutter original. Do you know what Shutter is? No. It's like the Netflix no. for horror. Oh, okay. So it's hmm. like a net, it's like a streaming service, but all thriller, horror, mystery, macabre, whatever. Anyway, this movie called The Furies is uh, these women get captured, they get put into this forest, and they get hunted down by uh, masked serial killers. And it's supposed to be like this new take on the slasher or something like that. It came out last year. It's not. It's not good. It's just not good. Hmm, huh. um yeah it's it's, it's it's just it's for what we're thinking of yeah you get pitted against a bunch of uh, slasher killers in masks and that sounds fun like ever never-ending fun but it's not it's actually kind of boring and it kind of doesn't move fast and <laughs> and st- it, it kind of falls apart and they add elements in the story that just don't need to be there and they kind of explaining away the situation whereas i would have just preferred it if you left it alone and just murdered people like i don't need to know why they're there because it's ridiculous why they're there already and what's it called it's called the furies f-u-r-i okay for for a second it sounded like you were describing lost in translation and so i (laughs) it's it's a film pete really likes it's total garbage it's 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 so good awful film so good. So bad. Um, Pete, anyway, that's it for me. Pete, what'd you watch? Cool. This week is an anomaly for me. I usually just have time to watch the films we're reviewing, and that's about it. But I actually watched two films this week. I would hope um, so, because it's been like two weeks since we've recorded. So I know. I know. Uh, so the first was actually my wife and I went down memory lane and watched it. I'm going to call it a classic. We watched Shrek 2. We've obviously seen it before, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so good. I forgot how good it was. It is. Um, we had a lot of fun watching it. It's it's the the last good Shrek movie. It's the last Shrek. I've only seen the first two. I haven't bothered carrying on. So The fourth one's okay. The third one I've tried to watch several times, and I can never get through it. Mm, okay. I have to revisit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shrek 2 was, was fun. We watched that. The other film we watched was... Actually, I just watched it um, with with my film group, actually. I watched a film, and I only chose to watch it based on the actors. as Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård. You probably all have heard of it. Uh, it's the 2020 Devil The Devil time. All the Time. Huh. Um, 
it wasn't a bad film. It just wasn't my favorite. Uh, I didn't give it the best ranking. It was a below a five for me. But I had trouble just ranking it because it wasn't a bad film per se. I just didn't particularly enjoy it. So um, those are the two films I watched. Cool. Yeah, How about you, Brady? That sounds interesting. Uh, yeah. God, I hope I can remember them all. Okay. Um, <laughs> geez, you have no idea, man. So I watched, uh, as was previously mentioned, I watched uh, Unfriended and Unfriended right. 2. Yep. I watched uh, Brother Bear. Oh, like the yeah. Disney animated, you know, um, yep. which I didn't realize the dude voicing uh, the bear, voicing okay. like our main character, right? The douchey brother that gets turned into a bear. Sure. It's jo- it's Joaquin Phoenix. Right. And I had no right. idea. So uh, I watched that. Um, I watched, uh, so this, this one's, this one's, this one's difficult for me. I watched uh, the secret, the new, the 2020 Secret Garden, because I hmm. love the original, I love the book, I love, and I was really, really excited for this film. I shut it off at the 34 minute mark, and I will never revisit it because it was so bad. Oh wow! Like they've re- they removed full characters. They like they just made a lot of really weird creative decisions. Uh, so to hell with that. Um, <laughs> I watched, I got to show um, a group of people one of my favorite films for the very first time. Um, Cats. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Lost in Translation. Um, yeah, hey, hey. And this, it just kind of cemented for me. Like, you know, I watched it. It was one of those, I watched it uh, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Yep. And then come mon- come Sunday night, Yep. Two nights later, I was thinking to yep. myself uh, and said to one of the people I had watched it with, I was like, honestly, I could watch it again already. Like it's a two, <laughs> it's over, it's a over two and a half hour long film. And I'm like, but I'm already poised to sit and watch it again. And Can that, I guess what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably not this, but this could apply. Titanic. It's not Titanic. No. Okay. No, sorry. Uh, walk the line. Oh yeah, okay. and uh, yeah. I just watched it, and I was like, "This Fantastic. is such a masterpiece! Like, it it's so good." I've been trying to get Jess to watch that for time now. Oh man, and I we watched the extended edition. I recommend the extended okay. edition. Um, so that I watched Christopher Robin with you and mm. McGregor. Yes, um, very good. I wa- and and gets you gets you in all the spots. Gets you in the, <clears throat> dude, I was gonna me. start crying yeah. at the start. All the spots of <laughs> yeah. film should get you. It gets you. Um, as uh, soon as I saw Winnie, I just uh, I was like, <gasps> I know. And he does the exercise song, and, and you're like, Eeyore. Oh. I was like, oh, sad old Eeyore. So good, so good. Um, I watched The Conjuring, and I watched Annabelle, one of which I highly recommend. Highly recommend. It's not the stupid, creepy doll one, is it? No, no. <laughs> Honestly, The Conjuring was so good. So good. Yeah. And based on a true story. Um, oh, or, yeah, The Warrens. A, a, a legend, alleged true story. Yeah, The Warrens. The Warrens. And, uh, yeah, and so that's, that's creepy. And so then looked up, and uh, the Annabelle doll does actually exist, but in yeah. real life, it's a Raggedy Ann doll. Raggedy Ann, um, yeah. So they got notes, you know, notes all around creep, it, right? Creepy as mm-hmm. shit. Um and that's it. I think that's 
all I watched. Oh, that's, I that's I a never know what out. I never know what to admire more: your tenacity, or the just the ability that you get to watch that many films. I yeah. never know what to admire. It's Which is crazy because something. I'm watching more films now that I'm back in school and super stressed out and I don't have any time to do anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm just watching movies left, right, and center, man. Right. Whereas back in the summer, I, I, during summer holidays, I couldn't seem to, I couldn't seem to find the time. I have to, <laughs> like, you got to do what you love to do, right? Like, I, yep. I can't go to sleep without watching, like, 20 minutes of of a movie like i have to i just feel like i gotta watch something yeah yeah Some whenever part of a movie. that's what the experts say fall asleep in front of a screen right whenever yeah. i need to fall asleep i just put on tomorrowland and i'm out in three minutes <laughs> tomorrowland yeah. is a fantastic movie what are you insinuating Me and brady just put on lost in translation exactly I, thank you you I, are welcome I, on this show anytime you'd like to i come tried on. to watch tomorrowland and the person I watched it with, we literally just stopped and ran away and never came back. I saw this movie in the theater with Carl Eastman, and we mm. both have raved about it ever since. It's so good. Hmm. It's so what, Tomorrowland? Good. Tomorrowland. With George Clooney? George Clooney, man. The one and, and only. And Hugh Laurie, because why not? I've never seen that one. It's worth it. It's it's fun. It's got a fun, you know, don't listen to Pete. Pete likes Lost in Translation, so his, you know... Is it as good as the day after tomorrow? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a very different film. Well, they both yeah. have tomorrow. They both have in tomorrow it. in it. Yeah, I get you know. <laughs> what and about, only one hey, of them guys? has only one of them has Dennis Quaid. What about tomorrow never dies? Ooh, we're getting there. Ooh, we'll get there. <laughs> we're getting it's there. coming. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, anyways, as was said at the beginning of the show, uh, there's all kinds of links down in the the you know, in the doobly-doo down below. And if you don't follow us on social media, uh, we're going to show up at your door and cram candy corn into your mouth. Oh, you wouldn't like that. Aggressively. And then, you know, we'll do that thing that people do to cats when they want them to swallow their medication. We'll just kind of massage the underside of your jaw. Yeah. Right. Yes. I have uh, a lot of cats that I need to do that to Hmm. right now. So. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us, Jordan. Um, Mm. You should do it again. You You should do it again next week. Yeah. What are you doing next week? No, I'll try and keep my uh, my ranting down. So I'll work on that, and I'll I'll see you guys next week on here. I will have my Freddy Krueger pop figure with me. Because because why not? Oh, you got Do a it. pop? You got a pop guy? What are uh, those? Pops? Yeah, one of the little, you know, black-eyed Funko beauties. dolls? Yeah, the Funko, the vinyl pop things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. not a doll. It's an action figure. I'll wear my shirt. I got a really kick kick butt. Can I say kick? Can I say the A word on here? Kick ass? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know what podcast I'm on. I don't know either. <laughs> Half <laughs> the time, kidding. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I've got Freddy Krueger socks. Yes. So that might happen. Are they uh, red and green? They sure are, and like yeah. kind of like a like a muddy distressed kind of nice. thing on them. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pete's like I'm. I gotta go to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna go buy some. <laughs> Freak, man. All right. Me and Brady are raring to go, and Pete's like, all right, boys. All right, it's, uh, let's, let's save some for next week. You're such a Nancy, Pete. You'll get yeah, that Pete, next week. Pete, okay. this is why you don't watch movies, because you just don't got time for nothing. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs>